my message today is called, How is Your Testimony? It's taken from the book of Numbers, chapter 13, 1 and 2. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. See, God was about to give Israel the land that he had promised, the promised land. And so he asked for Moses to send out representatives from each tribe to spy out the territory first. So let me ask you, if God was giving them the land, then why would they need to spy it out first? Well, first they'd be, they would have to be able to take time to appreciate that all that God was giving them. But God didn't just understand, God didn't just wipe out entire groups of people to give territory and resources to his chosen ones. The Israelites would still have to take the land by force. It still would take some effort. It wasn't going to magically appear in front of them. They still would have to follow God and take, and take the land. But when they did that, they would have God's favor with them as they charged into battle. God never said that this life here would be easy. If you've been told that, then you've been told a false gospel. God says you're still going to have to go, and you're still going to have to fight, you're still going to have to do these things, but my favor will rest upon you as you go. Additionally, if they knew the lay of the land and what they were up against, they could ask for greater discernment in praying and planning for success. Numbers 13, verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains. Certainly from the mountains they would get a full lay of the land and know how to make a plan to best use it and the best benefit from the land. There's many people that receive things from God and they don't even know what they've been given and so they neglect the things that God has given to them. So God's saying, understand, I'm going to give this to you, but I want you to understand what you are receiving. Many people don't understand the true gift of salvation by grace through faith. And so they, so, so they neglect it. So God's saying in this promise, I want you to understand it. Get a good look of the land. They would understand the faith that they would need then to believe God for this promise after seeing the men in the makeup of the land. Numbers 13, verses 18 and 19. And see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or like strongholds. So this is Moses' perspective. God will be with us. Therefore, let's take advantage of this favor and understand that we must bring to the table, understand what we must bring to the table in order to receive this promise. God's not just going to give it in our lap. He's going to give us favor, but we still have to do something. Numbers, 11, Numbers 13, verse 20. Whether the land is rich or poor or whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was for the season of the first ripe grapes. They would have to go down into the land. This would take courage. They have to go down into the land and bring back a sampling of some of the fruits of the land. The fruit would then serve as a tangible motivator for all to kind of put it like a carrot before the people. This is the land that God gives us. It's a good land. Bring us something back so that we can, we can share this vision with the people. Verse 23. Then they came to the valley of Eskel, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. 
They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. Okay? Understand they brought grapes and pomegranates and figs to give the Israelites a taste of the promise that lay ahead. Verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them fruit of the land. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but they brought two things back. They, besides the fruit that they brought back, they also brought back word. When they left, they had a promise from God. They had, a direct, they had direction from Moses. They had a responsibility for leading their tribe because they were leaders amongst each of their tribes. They had their own perspective, and they also had their faith to lead them. Each man would bring back word to the group. In other words, their perspective. They would bring back word of what was out there. The word would be their testimony to determine their vision. It would be their willingness to sacrifice and their faith to believe that God for what he had promised. So during their 40 days as they scouted the land, either they would grow more thankful of what God was promising in light of what they saw, or they would grow more doubtful and fearful because of what they saw. Understand that there is people living on land that weren't just going to turn it over because God said so they had determined by, by the word they brought back how their, their vision would build based on their perspective. Their testimony would reveal if their hearts had been given into fear or if they had been fortified by faith. With their testimony, they would lead their tribes to victory or defeat based on their testimony. The difference would be in how they set their filter first before spying out each region. In other words, how do they begin each day and each mission? How do you begin each day? What filter do you set before each day before you go out into this world that's tough out there? That's what we're trying to learn from this uh, teaching here. You see, without a filter, without a premise, it's easy to let the vision pass through human logic first. It's easy to look at the world and let it pass through human lo logic as fear or doubt. A lot of people are waking up each day, especially in the past week, and that's going through that first filter of fear or doubt or blame. And that's not what God has called us to. With a premise such as, let's see what God will give us here, they wouldn't get lost in wondering if it was possible. Instead, they would understand that all that God has promised us Many times we focus too much on what we see and instead of understanding God is going to bring me through. And that's not, it's something that we need to purposely place before us each and every day. So if they did that, their praise would increase and their faith would grow knowing that God, all the, all the stuff that God would have to do to deliver them as they continue to march forward and trust him. This, in fact, is precisely where God has his people today. So many people are clinging to fear right now in the world because they have been watching, watching and listening to the world. Yet God commands us first to fix our eyes upon who? Jesus. Jesus. That's what he says. Know that we should know what he has already done for us. He's already secured our salvation if we repented and put our trust in him. We should know the promises that lay ahead for us and know that he has called, what he has called us to do in the meantime. He's not asked us to just stay and stand in fear and doubt. He's asked us to trust him. 
then when we see challenges, we understand all that God must do to keep us in his hands. That's the promise from God. And another promise is that he's going to complete the work that he began in each one of us. But if we don't submit to him, if we continue to go on our own way, if we want to seek blame and doubt and fear, then we step out of God's will. Then it's no longer God's responsibility that he can't complete us. We need to trust him and submit to his will and follow his commands so that he can complete the work he's began in each one of us. This perspective does not lead to fear, but rather faith as we trust his will. Verse 27. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. See, they began with the tangible fruit first. They came back to people after 40 days, and they began with this tangible fruit first, this cluster, that proved that this surely was good land that the Lord was giving to them, especially, understand, not just a bunch of grapes and pomegranates to them, they had been living in the desert for 40 years eating nothing but manna every meal. So to see big, juicy grapes, wow, this is, this is worth it. But while the fruit spoke of optimism, their compromised testimonies spoke of defeat and ultimately showed that there really was, in the majority of them, no trust in God and his, and his word. Verse 28 says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. You see, they were asked to bring back fruit and word. The fruit was enticing, but the word was dripping with fear. It was up to each leader to decide how they would arrange this fruit and word on a serving platter for the people, how their, what their testimony affected how each of their families and each of their people would interpret that. The arrangements would be determined by their faith in God and their willingness to obey him in spite of what they saw and heard in the world around them. Would they include all that God had done in Egypt since they left Egypt? Or would they only consider the 40 days of their most recent journey? How about you? Does your current vocalized testimony, what you share to others, in front of others, does it include how God saved you? How he delivered you? How he has forgiven you? How he surrounded you with brothers and sisters in Christ and it draws you near daily? And he's, and he's continued to draw you through all of life's difficult challenges? Or are your thoughts and your words of your declaration today focused primarily on the collapsing world around you? Your testimony will fuel either more fear or will lead you to depend more on yourself if you feel more, more fear. If I'm more afraid, I need to do something to change that, and so I'm going to worry about myself. Or it will fuel more faith and lead you to depend more on God. Here's where the rubber would meet the road for the Israelites. Here is where their full word would be revealed. Here is where their 40-day perspective would be exposed. Many times the devil knows that the way he can get us off track is to get us focused on the 40-day perspective. In other words, what has God done for you lately? It's our choice to keep God in remembrance, to continue to know what God has done all the way through. If we can get us to focus on how the world's collapsing all around us and it'll incite fear and doubt, then we'll start looking to our own means instead of to God. Bringing back the fruit, but also a bad report, 
by the people, mocked the Lord. Because the basic they were saying is God's tempting us and enticing us with the good things, but he's setting us up for failure. Because the people are too big there, they can't be taken. This is how most of the men chose to serve up the word of their testimony to their people. Why is it much easier to doubt and fear than to have faith and proclaim it? After all, every one of these men, every one of them had a choice, because they all saw the same thing. They all had a choice, but almost all of them were too afraid to stand in faith before their tribes. Was it because of pride? Was it the fear of being wrong? Or was it because they knew it was out of their control? And they were only willing to risk things that were in their control. How about you? If you are honest, how often do you find yourself thinking and acting the same way? Is the reason that you don't share Christ with others because you have a fear of being wrong? Or maybe because you might be judged by others? Or someone might think different of you because of your beliefs? When we are only willing to risk things that are in our control, we squeeze out faith in our lives. It is this premise that causes many prayers to hit a ceiling, to stop short of fulfillment, and to be powerless because you need faith to believe the things that seem impossible in this world to believe. But with God, all things are possible. It's not just the saying we have to believe that. We need to continue to be in the Word so that our spirit believes that. This was the case for these men who came back with a compromised testimony. They would not be able to overcome by the power of God because they were not willing to believe God. They were not willing to give up their control of their lives to trust Him. They looked at what they could do and what, what kind of attack they could mount. They did not leave room for God to be part of that equation. And so when you don't leave room for God, fear comes and it attacks you. Doubt comes and it takes away any standing that you had. How about you? In what areas have you not been willing to give up control in your life to trust God? Is it a matter of pride? Or is it a need to be liked by others? Maybe it's a fear of being vulnerable before God and doubting that your needs would even be met. These are all things that real people have that affects our faith walk with God. There are many in the world today who have compromised their testimony because they have ceased to be aware of all that God has done throughout the years and will continue to do when we release our control of every area of our life to Him. In other words, when He's not just our Savior, but He's also our Lord. Our Lord means that we've given up control of our lives to Him and we trust Him that He's going to see it through. And as we stay in the Word to follow Him, He's going to lead us in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Almost all of the Israelites gave a compromised testimony that showed who was really in control of their lives. Almost all of them failed, but not all of them. Numbers 13.30 Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Was it because Caleb was a huge giant man of war? No. He just knew his God. Caleb knew that God was with them. God was part of the we in his proclamation. God had been with them as they left Egypt. He was with them when they came through the Red Sea. He was with them through all the journeys in the desert. 
Caleb kept God's faithfulness in his declaration for what lay ahead for the Israelites. It was clear that, God, that Caleb brought God's into his, into his perspective. He kept, we remembered God and brought God into his perspective. Choosing to see through a premise of promise. Or choosing to see through a filter of faith. It was a choice that he had to make. For Caleb, this journey strengthened his resolve. Realizing all that God was continuing to do to bring them through and to deliver them into. He obviously remembered the words of God which had infused faith in him to charge forward. Caleb remembered that God was giving them this land. They were not going to take it by their own efforts or by their own strength. God was going to give it to them. They still had to obey him and trust him, but God was going to give it to them. All they had to do was to trust him and seek him and obey. Numbers 13, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The other men, however, were quick to respond in fear and in doubt. It was obvious that they had chosen not to bring God's promise with them. How quickly they had abandoned God's faithfulness and only saw that every challenge through their own eyes of doubt. I can't do it because I don't have the ability. That's, how that, that's what their filter was, through their own eyes. They didn't bring that God filter down. They had no filter for God, for faith. Their perspective only went through their own doubt and their own insecurity or the things that they thought that they could control. What makes us strong in faith is to know that it is out of our control. When you get to the end of yourself and you say, I am powerless, but with God I can do all things. That's what is needed to secure our faith. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. You see, without a premise of God's promise, we are devoured before we even begin. Many people right now are devoured looking at the world. Instead of saying that there's God's people out there that need His healing touch. There's people that need to be forgiven. There's people that need to know the light of Jesus. But many people are devoured before they even begin. So they don't step out. They don't share Jesus. They don't serve. They don't forgive. They don't extend. God's telling us to remember that He is in control. He is sovereign. You see, without a conscious choice to remember God's Word and to call to mind His faithfulness, our faith starves on the vine. It's left out there to dry. All we see are the impossibilities because we see what we can't do in our own strength. The more we consider our struggles without bringing God into the picture, the more our faith just shrivels up and dies. This is the danger of diving headfirst into the news each day. A daily dose of cable news and internet news articles, biased or not, only gives what is seen and heard and felt. It doesn't bring a filter of faith in what God has done and what God is doing. It doesn't remind us of eternal life of His promise, nor His promise to leave us or, nor forsake us. It doesn't keep pointing us back to Jesus and how He has called us to live and to forgive and to serve and to love and to stand in faith and to follow Him. 
Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more time we spend hearing the world, and there's a lot to hear right now, but the more time we spend hearing the world and hearing complaints and hearing criticism of others and hearing blame and hearing worries and fears, naturally, the less we are hearing the Word of God to give us the faith that we need to overcome. Faith must be infused with the miracle power of God's Word for the Spirit to breathe life into it to grow. We must continually be in His Word, reading it and studying it and meditating on it for faith to come through each of us through the hearing of of God's Word. Otherwise, without the Word of God, you will end up discouraged. And then just what will happen is you will attach your faith to your doubt, finding yourself going in a negative direction. In other words, you will have faith that bad things will happen. This is how self-fulfilling prophecies come about. People get discouraged because they have not been in God's Word. And when things don't come to pass, when people think they should or how, how they think it should, or in the way that they expect them to come to pass, they start claiming bad things and expecting bad things to happen. Thus, when bad things come, they say things like, I knew it. I told you so. Then their faith of doubt pushes them further away from God and His will. And the truth of the matter is, our flesh does not want to believe the things of God. So our flesh is always going to do things that appease our flesh. But how amazing is it when our spirit trounces our flesh and says, shut up. I knew all along I could do it. But were you willing to trust me? Were you willing to trust me when you thought you couldn't, it couldn't happen, but I came through anyways? That's that battle that goes on in all of us. It's a daily decision to trust God when our flesh is telling us that it can't possibly happen. So how do we reverse this or even prevent this from happening? Well, just like the Israelites, we need to remember what God has said. We need to be in His Word. That's where faith comes from. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 Rejoice always. Always. Pray without ceasing. Never stop your communion with God. And in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There is no greater application for this truth than when we face what appears to be fear or challenges in the world. In fact, the events that Moses and his men faced exemplify this teaching in an excellent way for us. When trials come, a faith filter, if you go through that faith filter first, it causes you to rejoice and to pray and to give thanks continually regardless of your physical circumstances. You're giving thanks because God is in control. And God's in charge of your life if you've made Him your Lord. And God gives you that inner peace no matter what's going on around you. If you're rejoicing and praying is thanking is conditional, then it's really not true at all. But if you can do by the Spirit of God is be thankful to God and rejoice that God's in control, be thankful where He's brought you to, and trust His will for you going forward, then you've broken through by the power of God. Without a filter, you may begin strong, but eventually you will doubt when you don't see the results. 
Yet knowing that faith is born in adversity and faith is perfected in extended trials, your faith filter keeps you believing for God's answer despite everything and everyone around you. Your faith filter filters out all the things that seek to compromise your faith. The enemy's coming against you and your faith says, I don't care what I see or what I hear or what I feel. I'm going to trust that God's in control. He's brought me through it before. He's going to take me through it again. Without a faith filter, we all sound like the majority of Moses' men. Verse 33. There we saw the giants and the descendants of Anak come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Listen, you cannot trust God if you see and compare things from, from your own sight or from your own perspective. Trusting God means that you allow Him to lead you because He sees things in the spiritual, in the spiritual dimension. And, he, and when He sends you into a battle, He equips you with what He sees. He gives you the faith and confidence because He knows what He's sending you into in the spiritual realm. When we trust Him regardless of what we see, we allow Him to fight on our behalf. We just need to trust and obey and, frankly, to get out of God's way. Many, time, how, many times, however, we fail to get out of God's way. We become a hindrance to what He wants to do because we fail to trust Him because we're not in His Word. Numbers 14, 1 and 2. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let's select a leader and return to Egypt. My goodness, it sure sounds like the world today. All this strategy going on and blaming someone else is someone else's fault and blaming and complaining. It's always someone else's fault. Instead of just saying, I'm going to believe by God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to press into God. I'm going to believe by God. I'm not going to focus on blaming someone else. I'm going to trust God because God spoke to me. I find it very interesting that this mutiny that's beginning to happen is happening before they've even lifted a finger in battle. This mutiny of wanting to return to bondage and to slavery was not spurred on by a loss. They hadn't lost anything yet. They just decided to give in to fear because of a bad report. Look around the world today. There's great mutiny all around us because testimonies have been compromised. People have given in to fear because of a bad report that does not contain the premise of God's promise. As soon as the Israelites' testimony was compromised and God's promise was forgotten, fear took complete control of them and caused them to retreat. Do you see the irony here? There's great irony in what's happening. They were not willing to give up control to God, but in doing so, they ultimately gave up control to fear and to doubt. Let us not fool ourselves either. If we are not willing to give up control to God in any and in every area of our lives, we will ultimately give up control to fear and to doubt and to anger and to blame. How do you know that you're there? God tells us to look at our fruit. What's coming out of us in conversations? 
If you, you hear someone else, you hear yourself blaming others or criticizing others or stepping into fear and doubt and how horrible things are, then you've given into fear. That's what you've chosen instead of, instead of trusting in God. It's a, it's, it's a place that God is taking all of us. We need to continue to trust Him. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves back in the bondage of sin. And God's asked us for more faith to believe Him all the way through difficulties and challenges. You may find yourself in this place right now, in the bondage of sin. As your mind tries to justify why this bondage of sin is more appealing than trusting God with every part of your life. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. See, when God convicts you of failing to trust Him, of giving in to the mutiny of your flesh, there's only one thing to do. Drop to your knees. Fall on your face. Call to God. Repent. Admit to Him that you've been not willing to give over the control of your life, but you need to. Moses and Aaron interceded for the people and pleaded for mercy. When you are convicted of your choice to follow fear instead of God, don't hesitate. Ask for forgiveness. God has freely given it to us at the cross. Call for discernment. Pray for faith and strength. Don't take another, another step until you call out to God. If that doesn't work, if you're not feeling that fully victory yet, then find another brother or sister in Christ who has not compromised their testimony, who is willing to stand with you, who is ready to battle for your soul. Be encouraged by their faith and their testimony. God gave us the body of Christ for a reason, that we would work together and believe for one another and believe the best for one another and leave no one behind. That's why we are called the body. Stop listening to your doubts. God has put people of faith and encouragement into all of our lives for every challenge and for every battle that we face. We just have to choose to seek them out and listen to them. They're our brothers, our sisters. Brothers and sisters in Christ will intercede for you if you're willing to ask them. We have a great, great, great team of prayer warriors in this church who will stand by and intercede in the middle of the night and pray for you whenever God brings to mind, whenever there's a prayer request, to intercede and to follow up and to continue to believe. When you can't believe because you're fully invested yourself and emotions get in the way, they are praying for you. They are believing for you. They are interceding for you. That's what the body of Christ is called to do. If you need that, please ask. We don't announce our prayer requests over the, over the pulpit. We don't put them on Facebook. But we take them to God. And we are absolutely want to do that. If you have a need that wants to be that you need before God, then please ask us. Please contact us. This is the power of the body of Christ today. Someone comes alongside you, they lock arms with you, and they believe for you, and they do not advance until they can advance with you. That's what we're called to do. The gates of hell will never prevail against the body of Christ that keeps the good report. For there is power in our testimony when we lift up the name of Jesus, the name above every name. Verse 6 and 7. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation, the children, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. Here, two men, Joshua and Caleb, 
Joshua was a man of great faith as well. Joined Caleb with his testimony of a good report. He chose to focus on the promise instead of the fear. Verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. You see, the Lord delights in those who trust Him, who walk in simple obedience, not according to the report of the world, but according to the will of God. Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Here they are trying to share the good report of people who have been compromised. If we go into battle with fear instead of faith, we've lost even before it begins. Such was the case for most of these men, but not Caleb and Joshua. They charged into battle with their faith in God's power leading the way. We face a battle every day in the world. You're going to be bombarded by what's happened across the world, and you're going to be tempted to step into faith, into fear, or worry, or doubt, or complain, or blame. Don't go there. Take God's Word with you. Use God's Word. Insert God into the equation, into the discussions. God is faithful. God will protect. God's desire is that He calls all of us to come to Him. Use the power of the Word and God's faithfulness in your testimony. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says this. Now the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, the battle of a Christian is not for material wealth. It's not for tangible things. Therefore, God's commands seek us to, are, not, are, not, are not to go after the things of the physical realm. He wants us to realize that our fight is in the spiritual realm. God does not take the fight out of us nor does he seek to take us out of the fight. He simply shows us where the real fight is and how to overcome it. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. Keep in mind, we do war and fight. We just come to understand that our war is a spiritual one, where God is in control if we give him up control. Verse 4 and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds for casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity, into the obedience of Christ. See, our weapons are different. We were never meant to use our weapons, our words, to tear down other people. We were never meant to use our words to blame other people and to criticize other people and to cut down people. We're supposed to meant to use our words to praise God and to stand on the power of His Word. And to, and to insert God into every equation when the discussion turns to how bad the things are. We are called to call upon the name of Jesus and to stand by faith. That's why God gave us words. Spiritual warfare and prayer and fasting and denying the flesh take great devotion to God and commitment on our part. We don't just wait for God to deliver all His blessings to us. The truth of the matter is that keeping the fight of faith is a continual fight. Because the enemy is continually trying to destroy us and our families and our churches and our schools and our communities. We have to be willing to stand up with the test of faith and by the power of the Spirit. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. If you read and study the entirety of Scripture, it is impossible not to find that we indeed are in a struggle. 
a fight, a battle for our souls. If Satan has not stopped fighting to take us back, then we best not give up the fight as well. But we must understand how this battle is fought, how we keep our peace, and what role we play. The book of Revelation tells us how Satan is ultimately seated. As we close out this message, I want you to understand this. Revelations 12:11 says this, And they overcame him, the enemy, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Martyrs of the faith who have given and, and will continue to give all for Jesus, they understood this truth. That the blood of the Lamb is the weapon of our warfare. It's not by our strivings or our blamings or our defense. It's the blood of the Lamb. And our testimony of Him must never be silenced or compromised due to doubt or sin or fear. If we are compromised in any of these three areas, doubt, sin, fear, negativity, we need to drop to our knees. We need to fall on our face and repent. This keeps our testimony strong and it sends a message to the enemy himself that we belong to God. We are his chosen. And we shall overcome in his strength and in his power. To God be all the glory. Help us to continue to be reminded of everything you've done for us at the cross to secure our salvation, to forgive us of sins, to rescue us from the consequences of our sins. Help us to keep your word and your promises dear to our hearts. And help us not to just be moved by this message, but to be changed. God, remind us and convict us in the conversations that we get into this week, each day. Help us to remember to bring you into the equation, to share the hope that we have in you, to share that you are a faithful God, to share that you are in control, to share that you are the only answer for this world. We ask you to bless us, to keep us safe. We pray for divine protection amongst all. Thank you, Lord God. To you be the glory.